0: There's been six times that it wasn't held, 17 and 18, and then 42 through 45, but since then, through all of this history, with occasional postponements and delays by rain, it has never gone later than May the 31st. We've never gone to June 1, so this will make history this year. Hi, this is Donald Davidson. I'm the historian with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and you're on the road with Dane on WTN. Oh. Right Let's go. It has a presence about it. And uh, I believe that. I think the place has vibes because so much has, uh, has, uh, has
1: happened here. 720 WGN on the road with Dane, typically high atop Chicago in the Skyline studios, but now, of course, in the broadcast bunker as we kind of wait out in anticipation for all of those things that we know and love and when it comes to the world of sporting, when it comes to the world of motorsport, is the things happening In Indianapolis, on the line with us, excited to have a guy since 1964, has worked in and around in writing and radio and television around the most iconic sporting venue in the world, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And now, of course, he is the IMS Foundation track historian. He is with us, the one and only Donald Davidson. Donald, welcome to WGN.
0: Thank you, sir, very much.
1: (laughs) Well, it's great to have you, and I know when it comes to history, in a little bit we talked off the air, of course, Indianapolis, when it comes to motorsports, unparalleled, and when it comes to radio, you know, we've been around, you know, almost 100 years as well ourselves.
0: Absolutely. In fact, the first major station to broadcast from the Indianapolis Speedway was WGN. (laughs) Apparently, uh, from what we've been able to find in 1922, there were two attempts at broadcasting, but they were little more than ham radio operators. And the first station of note was uh, WGN uh, from Chicago in 1924. And uh, they had a broadcaster named Quinn Ryan who did the uh, the early broadcast. They didn't do the whole race, but they would do a little bit at the beginning, you know, like 15 minutes before the start, and 15 minutes in, And then they would do the finish and maybe just little updates in between. But uh, that goes back, well... You know, the 500 was first held in 1911,
1: but they didn't have radio yet. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. Well, you know, as part of the DNA of WGN has always been sports, exciting to hear that connection as well. I'm going to have to mention that all the time. Quinn Ryan is one of the members of uh, WGN's illustrious Walk of Fame. So one of those kind of pioneer broadcasters. And cool to see that he's got that connection with the Brickyard. So, you know, the famous slogan that you always hear and, and you as part of your radio show that you do in May is, is that is it May yet? as everyone is excited and looking forward to May as it starts that whole kind of lead up to the five hundred? It's been replaced now with is it is it August yet? And so and we're hoping basically that that that's even something that can hold true. I remember my first time uh, walking into Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and it wasn't necessarily just about the racing that was going to happen or the racing on the track. It was just the structure itself. It's breathtaking and amazing. And if you can talk a little bit about as a guy who has made his entire career the passion of sharing the history of the speedway what was your 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 kind of first impressions as you and indy first met
0: well i i pretty much knew what to expect so it's a little hard to explain that i'm actually british although it doesn't sound like it anymore (laughs) and uh i became aware of the indianapolis 500 in this foreign country when i was just entering my teens and uh For some reason, there was a fascination there. I had to send away to get information about it because the Brits didn't know much about the Indianapolis 500 then. There was no foreign participation. Anyway, so it became an obsession with me. And so when I finally had saved up enough money to make the trip, it wasn't a casual visit. And so I pretty much knew the lay of the land and what to expect, but it was rather surreal to be walking in and be able to get into the garage area It was right rather like uh, you know Dorothy in uh, The Wizard of Oz when everything turns to color <laughs> wow. and uh, that changed my life forever. I think probably the biggest surprise I had was how friendly the participants were. Uh, I was really amazed by that. I thought drivers would all be very very intense individuals and I was amazed at how friendly and easygoing most of them were. So uh, I pretty much lived the dream, and now right now we're kind of living in the twilight zone because, mm-hmm. as you said, it's always been this huge build-up, and there's tens of thousands of people, spectators. That their whole year evolves around the Indianapolis 500. They've been going for 30, 40, 50 years, and they have their traditions and where they sit and what they wear and all this stuff. And, uh, they're going to have to change that this year because it will be in August. And, and, uh, people will say, well, that doesn't really matter, does it? Yes, it does, because the light will be different and the shadows will be in different places. It just, uh, it it will be uh, it'll take a little getting used
1: to we think of of these as unprecedented times and in a lot of ways they are when it comes to the speedway the speedway has been around for a long time through lots of trials tribulations challenges throughout history are there other times and I'm thinking maybe during wars or things like that where either the race was either changed moved postponed or maybe just canceled
0: yeah it it was it was not held um from uh, in 1917 and 18 they were down because of world war 1 and the infield was an aviation depot oh, wow. and then uh, 1942 through 45 shut down again and uh, this time it was actually the infield was offered to the government but uh, it had been fined for landing and and uh, taking off with uh, with world war 1 Aircraft, but by World War II it was outmoded. So the thing just sat there and, and fell into a terrible, deplorable condition. But anyway, the bottom line uh, there's been six times that it wasn't held 17 and 18, and then 42 through 45. But since then, it's been held every year. And uh, for many years, it was May the 30th, regardless of the day of the week on which it fell. So up until 1971, the 500 would be on Tuesday or Thursday or whenever that fell, except for Sunday, in which case they go to Monday, May 31st. But anyway, since uh, with with all of that, uh, uh, through all of this history, uh, and with occasional postponements and delays by rain, yeah. it has never gone later than May the 31st. We've never gone to June 1, so this will make history this year.
1: It is history, but there are so many people that are committed to having it happen. And When you hear this, think about it, and we'll let the listeners know we're talking with IMS Foundation historian Donald Davidson. Is When you hear about things like the Olympics or the, the NBA or the final four, some of these iconic sporting events happening. And then you think, well, how does that affect what can happen with? you know, with the Indianapolis 500, it's, it's hard to even imagine. But I think that commitment, because you mentioned some of those people and it is, it's a badge of honor, no pun intended. I know the badges that are such a big part of the festivity, but people do say that there, there is almost this kind of rivalry among fans saying, well, I've been here for 40 years, or this is my 35th time that I've attended. People are committed to this. There's almost no way they'll cancel it.
0: I don't know how many times I began to notice this. Well, a long time ago, but uh, I've discussed it with all kinds of people, and it's just astonishing to me that people will tell you how many times they've gone. And, and uh, just what you, you gave a perfect example there, but throughout the year for me, but certainly on the, the weekend of the race, uh, two, two days before the race and, and on the day before the race where people arriving and coming into the museum, it seems like everybody will tell you this is my 37th year, it's my 42nd year, fifty first. whatever it is. I wonder if there's another event of any kind in the world where people will do that. And uh, of all of the other major events, there there is a similarity that somebody pointed out, and I, I agree because I've never experienced it. There's a great similarity between the Kentucky Derby and the Indianapolis 500. And I think maybe... The, the connection is that it is the same event at the same time of year at the same location because when you think about it, everything else, you know, baseball teams get bought and sold and move and, and you know, the Olympics is, is every four years and, and uh, you know, the Super Bowl or World Series, whatever, is always in different locations whereas this is the same place every year at the same time except for this year of course
1: Donald that's an that's an incredible point because we've brought it up it is one of those sporting events that people who aren't even maybe the most avid motorsports fans are still aware of it it's on the bucket list of almost everyone just like let's say the Kentucky Derby even though for the most part people aren't all you know horse racing enthusiasts and, and I think that's in part of it is because it is so much more than the event. It's hard to take away because so much exciting stuff happens on the track, obviously, but it is so much bigger than that. It's an event that transcends the sport that it, that it represents. And because I think of the venue. As well, because Indianapolis, I got to tell the listeners, too, is that it is it's one thing to go there on a race day and a race weekend. It's like nothing. Motorsports in general is hard to match uh, in person as opposed to watching it on television as good as they've gotten with it. But Indianapolis is different in, in ways because there is so much to see, so much history, so much going on. So let's talk a little bit about people or ways that people once, of course, we get past this before we get into some of the online stuff, and that's going to be a big focus, is the, the museum there. I mean, there's so much history. It's, it's definitely it's a tourist attraction, whether there's a race or not.
0: Oh, certainly. And, and by, by the way, I agree with everything that you just said. I, I mean, I'm nodding and saying, yep, yep, I agree with everything that you said there. And uh, so, uh, you know, you've got that, that large, um, probably, I don't know, tens of thousands of people that go, that maybe it's the only automobile race of the year that they go to. Now, the museum is open normally. It's closed right now. It's normally open every day of the year, but Christmas and uh, Thanksgiving. But um, uh, it's astonishing that there's always people in the museum. And it doesn't matter whether it's October the 13th or February the 9th, there'll be people in the museum. And the percentage of overseas people is just amazing They've got a a way to, well, they've got like a touch thing now. It used to be that you wrote your name in a book. But they would have these books page after page after page. And, uh, you know, Japan, Australia, Sweden, Norway. And uh, maybe people had a very casual interest. Maybe they really didn't know. Maybe they couldn't name a single 500 winner. But they come to the museum. And uh, I've had people say that when you come into the track, well, a lot of people say this, that there's a presence, and uh, that it, the uh, well, I'll, I'll name drop a little bit. Tony Orlando <laughs> was at the museum for a function several years ago, and he said, you know, I've never been here, but when I came through the tunnel, he said it was like when I went to the to the Colosseum in Rome. It has a presence about it and uh i believe that i think the place has vibes because so much has uh has uh has happened here but again it's just that it's a destination that you go to the uh, to the indianapolis speedway uh and maybe you really don't know anything about racing so it's just it's amazing that i don't know what the percentage of overseas people would be but it's probably 30 percent. i would think wow. sort of maybe higher
1: on a year-round basis. I wonder if that is at the the Indianapolis or the Speedway Indiana Visitor and Tourism Bureau that's out there working it, or is it, like you said, it's just kind of the magic of either all that history, what it represents, what it represents in the world of racing for sure, but also in the world, in just the Americana. And I think about this, is there are drivers from that have had success in, in all yeah. other disciplines of racing, that that is one of the things that they want to find a way to get to and compete in and hopefully win. So even in the world of motorsports, Indianapolis and success there transcends even even success in other areas of it which I don't think is the case I don't think that you know Joe Montana is is wanting to go win a world cup you know or uh-huh. or or something else in a different just discipline as far as what it is he's doing on the athletic side so as a guy that never gets surprised because you know everything you're the you're the historian oh. before we get to the online stuff has it ever surprised you of who has been drawn there whether it's from walks of notoriety or maybe i know there's just movie stars and rock stars and presidents and everybody
0: yes um, yeah that that's very interesting um, you know a little editorial here Uh, A lot of dignitaries have come here, but uh, sometimes they're the guests of somebody. The ones that I'm interested in, the ones that like it and come anyway. And uh, a line I used to hear quite a bit was when a dignitary would come in and say, well, it's you know, great pleasure to be here. I've never had the opportunity to come before. that "Yes, you did. You had the pro- you've had the opportunity every year, but you <laughs> didn't uh, have somebody paying your way or bringing you in as a, a as a guest." And forgive that being for facetious there. But James Garner.
1: Nice. Um, All right.
0: Aimed probably thirty times. Uh, he had. He would occasionally have to miss one, but uh, he over forty five-year period or so. He probably went more than 30 times. And I don't know if you remember Kent McCord. Kent McCord, I think, has missed one year since 1968. And he comes and he's very, very low-key. He's not out there. He doesn't ride in the parade. He's not signing autographs. He just comes and sits in the stands because he likes it. And so uh, to distinguish between the people that that truly were enthusiasts and the ones who came once and said all the right things, probably James Garner uh, w- would be way up there. Paul Newman of course got um, wow. evolved as a uh, as a as a car owner with Carl Horse up in uh, from Highland just a little bit north of where you are and um, then. Oh, Mel Torbay was a huge fan and, uh, and came many times. I could go through the whole list, but, uh, and it just always amused me when somebody would say, "I've never had the opportunity to be here before." It, yes, you have. You had it every year. Yeah, when you were at the lake or doing something
1: else. Well, but also too is just just kind of the the diversity of of notoriety, right? You'll have at the on that same day in May, you'll have you know presidents and A list movie stars and the biggest yes. musicians and all that kind of stuff there with the backdrop of not only the speedway but all the action. So if for all those people that could barely make it to May and now have to make it to August, you're kind of the gatekeeper of what can help them kind of make it through, and this is really fascinating stuff, so let's talk a little bit about the online archive, I know it's going to be 13 weeks, there's okay. going to be different things released, but what are people going to get, what are people going to see, what are they going to be surprised by?
0: Well, I don't know what they'd surprise surprised at, but uh, the, the thing is that... Um there's material of, that i have to, that I've written is up there, but I didn't create the thing. I tell people I'm a historian, I live in the dark ages and i i I've done it on on modern technology but some uh some fellows have uh, created this uh, this thing in our ar- an archive and what they' plan to do because, uh, uh, boy it's right for everybody's looking for content i mean if you watch t v and it's the uh, 1999 Masters, or the Game Six of the World Series, or whatever. And uh, so, this is uh, a, a look back. But they they've decided to uh, do a decade every Tuesday, and uh, so they just uh, released the uh, the second batch. And there's uh, just highlights from the decade. And then there's some general information about um, how the place got started. There's like a little mini bio on the four founders. There's all kinds of different things that you can jump to. Uh, there's some iconic photographs. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to kind of whet your appetite and and um uh, it's only just really scratching the surface because I think they put up nine iconic photos well, in the entire collection when you could get to it, which we really don't have much access to it right now, I think there's like four million images and what? and it's just fast and uh so I think the idea is just sort to of, uh tell general stories and and uh uh, the followers are telling me that the average length of time that somebody stays on it is is like many many minutes. So they're not just quickly looking at the pictures and going to something else. They're actually reading the stories, mm-hmm. and uh, a number of the uh, a lot of the material has appeared in the past. Uh, I mean, they're resurrecting several things that I've written for for the program over the years, and so it's sort of like getting a a second go around, but. I've always enjoyed, uh, telling anecdotes and I tell people I'm not a gearhead and I'm not into controversy and I don't know much about, you know, uh, turbochargers and, and other stuff, but I'm interested in the people and the human interest mm-hmm. stories. And, uh, and as a, as I, uh, just want to jump in here and, and uh, to give uh, a salute to WGN again. I mean, radio was king. And uh, much of the popularity, I mean, radio wasn't even in existence uh, as we know it when the race started. But certainly through the 30s and 40s and the 50s, probably the 50s the most, the impact that radio had and the fact that it popularized the event, and especially in the, in the 50s and the 60s when there were so many people overseas in the service, that could tune into the Air Force's network and hear the race on the radio. Just radio just had a huge impact.
1: That's great to hear the power of radio. We know that. Of course, here at WGN, we reached 38 states in Canada at night, so it would have been a, a vast listening audience that would have been able to kind of get in on some of that excitement. And mm-hmm. and you bring it up on the history side of it, and we'll, we'll get that, that website, is that, that Indianapolis Motor Speedway is so much more than just the stats. You talk about people kind of interacting with the things online, and it is more than just, okay, well, who won here? You're trying to find out a fact there. There are so many stories that have so much more to them than just, you know, the actual results on the track. And Oh,
0: uh, yes. I always say the box score doesn't tell the story. It does And I've been blessed personally to have – around a while and being befriended by the participants and uh, when I first showed up um, a long time ago, uh, you know, there was pre-World War I uh, participants still around. I mean, I spent time with Ray Haroon, who won the race in 1911. <laughs> I was just a kid and he was this elderly gentleman and uh, he, I was able to visit him several times and he told me all kinds of stuff firsthand. I've been just being blessed. I just love the stories about the people.
1: Let the listeners know we're talking with Donald Davidson. He is the historian for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And so the, the website where people can get the information and kind of get on there. Of course, there's going to be new stuff over the course of the 13 weeks as they kind of tackle each decade with things. But we'll have links up at wgnradio.com with that. So we'll have links for it. Last thing, and this is one of the things, is I don't think that there's a better person to be the historian and sharing and kind of that archive, that repository for all of that, the enthusiasm and, and the passion and all the information on those stories. One of the other things that I think is unique about indianapolis is that and you mentioned talking with some of the participants in the in the original you know winners of the race and things like that is that outside of having fans and, and a fan base that re- just reveres the facility and their times and memories that are there is that the participants themselves, the people who've won it are sometimes the best ambassadors because, and not just because, Hey, I won, I was successful. You know, Mario Andretti has won a lot of races in a lot of different yeah. places, but he gets it and, and everyone else gets it too. There is this, this respect for what it is and what it means. Yeah. And I, I think that is tremendous. And as, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, I think, goes into a new, a new era with new, new ownership. Maybe new activities. Maybe new things happening there. I know there's a lot of buzz and excitement. What are your thoughts, Donald Davidson? About it's always talking about the history and the past. What are your thoughts if you could look into that crystal ball for the future? Well,
0: um, I don't, I don't do the future. But uh, <laughs> I uh, love picking it. up on something that you've said that the number of drivers that come back every year, and they're welcomed, by the way, and this is something astonishing. Sometimes, they have an autograph session on the afternoon before the race, and it's it's for anybody who drove in the race, anybody who drove in the race, and they probably, oh, and sometimes we've had 100 people show up, and I think typically it's probably 60 to 70 people that just drove the race one time, and those are the people that the autograph seekers want because they they've got Mario and and they've got Foyt and and uh, they got Elio Cascinevus. They need the guy that ran once in 1978 and finished 33rd. And I'm just doing a hypothetical, but these fellows show up and they. The the the, uh, the, the winners, uh, typically, well, a lot of them are still involved with teams and so forth. But if you want to, the rank and file, for want of a better term, they show up on their at their own expense, and they got a credential for them and 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 their spouse. But they make their way here, and they take care of their own lodging to sit out there and sign autographs for nothing. And is there another faction of motorsport or any sport in the world? And I don't want to get myself in trouble and mention a team, but think of a sporting organization, and the the invitation goes out that we'd like for you to come here and pay your own way and take care of your own lodgings to come here. And sign autographs for a couple of hours. And oh, by the way, it doesn't pay anything. How many people do you think would do that? But the drivers do that because they love it. And they, uh, some of them that were never quite in the limelight, but they did drive in the 500 once and they'll say it changed their life. They sign autographs and they're having as much fun as the people who are getting the autographs. And I don't, I don't know, there's another situation in, in the world. Where, where that happens. Yeah. Given, you know, the the red carpet treatment when they're here. And it's just a great feeling of, of camaraderie amongst the drivers because they're all from different decades and yet they all share this common bond that they drove in the 500. Discuss it amongst themselves and the fans appreciate what they did. But the only people that really know what it's like is the people that did it.
1: Any piece that you can have of that, it's a little mini fraction, just a, just a morsel of immortality. This is so funny that you say that because I had never considered that. Oftentimes we'll talk with people who've, who've won it, right? And it changes their lives. It transforms them immediately. And for the rest of their, their life in public, they are introduced as an Indianapolis 500 winner. But to think that even for people who've, I'm sure, right? When you think about it, even if you you raced in it once and you got 25th and then that's still, that is still, it transforms, you know, who you are too. And of course, if that's your chosen vocation, it's, it's a big deal and it, it's it a big a
0: difference. Yeah. I, I don't know how many fellows have told me, I mean, it wasn't, they, they weren't, there wasn't a fan that got out of the grandstands and drove in the race. These are people that drove for years in different disciplines but but to Indianapolis, you know, they were able to make it. They drove it once and finished 25th. It makes a difference. I don't know how many followers have told me that.
1: The importance for them personally in their careers, and of course for all those fans through all those decades, cannot be overstated. And for those people who want to get a little bit of something, on the online archive that has been curated by Donald Davidson, it is going to be there. We're going to have the link up at WGNRadio.com as well for people who want to get information, get in there. 13 weeks of of content highlighting different decades as we lead up into what will be, hopefully the next indianapolis 500 coming up in august so donald i can't thank you enough for sharing all this stuff reminding of us of our uh, of our dna that we share with indy and wgn and thanks for jumping on the show today
0: well you're very welcome and thank you because uh you know you've uh, several things that you said by Holly. you get it and i appreciate that